Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Guy Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sun Guy with you as normal, and if you are looking for some pro wrestling, we got some show notes for you in the next couple of days here. Tonight you have WCWO as usual at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, PWA in Lebanon, Tennessee, GNPW at the Arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Tomorrow night, Northwest Pro where you can find myself and Chicken Bob in Vaughn, Washington, Relentless in Spokane, Washington, RRW in Bristol, Tennessee, BCW in Waukesha, Wisconsin, SPW in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, WTF in Anderson, Indiana, 907 Pro in Anchorage, Alaska, RCW in South Bend, Indiana, and NGW in Crawfordsville, Indiana tomorrow. So if you have some pro wrestling near you, get out there and support what your local independents are doing. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest today. He is the promoter of Wrestling for Christ, Richie Scruggs. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here, guys. Anytime I can share our ministry or our federation or local independent scenes, I'm glad to do it. This being your first time with us, I'm going to lead you off today with our traditional first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Oh, my goodness, man. That's a great story. Most people remember Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull from WCW and uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Well, Manny Fernandez was actually my neighbor. So I wrestled through school all my life. used to work out at the gym with Manny, and he used to always stay on me about, come on, you need to get in the ring with me. Manny had a training school in Granite Falls, North Carolina. In about 1989, he finally broke me down, and I started training with him and um, had my very first match in Charlotte, North Carolina, July the 4th, 1990, against Ivan Koloff, of all people. Um, my character is the American GI, and I've been the American GI since 1990, and of course, me and Ivan, Russian flag versus American flag, and a great first match. And we actually took that match for the next couple of years. We traveled all over the Carolinas, Georgia, uh, Florida, running, you know, uh, Russian bear versus the American GI. And, but, yeah, long story short, Manny Fernandez trained under him and um, been wrestling since 1990. All right. Give me one second here. Let me check something. All right. Sorry about that. had a little... A slight emergency, but uh, my next question for you is when you were training with Manny Fernandez and your wrestling guys like Ivan Koloff, they came out of the territorial system for professional wrestling 
but right around when you were breaking in, things were changing more towards the independent system that we know today. Did you have a chance to wrestle full-time like Manny and Ivan did, or were you strictly more of an independent wrestler as we would know it today? Well, well, back when I started in 90, there was a promotion called South Atlantic Professional Wrestling, and a lot of guys will remember that. They had, of course, Tatanka, who was Chris Chavis at the time, and Vince Torelli, who became Ken Shamrock, Wahoo McDaniels, the American Bulldogs, Rock and Roll Express, to name a few. Um, so for the first year from 90 to 91, I was pretty much full-time with South Atlantic, and they ended up folding in 1992, and then I went to work for the Italian Stallion and George South's promotion, the PWF in the Carolinas. And, of course, at that time, you know, George and Sal were pretty much mainstay on WCW and WWF. So a lot of the guys from PWF were a lot of your enhancement talent back in the day. So it was pretty much, you know, it was every weekend, every Friday and Saturday. But we did do a lot of day shows for schools and also when people ask me about full-time, it was a full-time weekend, three days a week pretty much up till about 1995 when the PWF folded. So I stayed pretty busy for the first, say, five, five and a half years. Um, and I'm, I still stay pretty busy today, but that was pretty much a full-time thing back in those days. Now, in recent times, like I said in the opening, you are the promoter of Wrestling for Christ, what led to you deciding you wanted to get into the promotional aspects of things? Well, um, a born-again Christian, of course, since 1988. So I tell people all the time I'm a Christian first who just happens to wrestle. So I've used um, the, the, that part of it throughout my entire career. I mean, I've never been one to shove the gospel or religion down anybody's throat in the locker room because I know a lot of guys don't appreciate that. But um saw a good many opportunities to promote, had a lot of churches who knew I was a Christian, uh, wanting to do fundraisers for their youth and um, whatnot for, for different programs through their churches and different types of Christian crusades. And um, this, that's pretty much how I got into the Wrestling for Christ ministry. It all started back in 2008 when I made my first trip over to the Philippines. Of course, wrestling's huge over there. They don't get to see it live, per se, because it's such a poor country, but they do love wrestling. And I just had one of the pastors over there had asked me, said, um, G.I., if we build a ring, can you bring professional wrestling to the Philippines? And I said, all you got to do is build the ring, and I'll get the guys to come. And we've been traveling over there for the last several years um, doing the Wrestling for Christ ministries at a lot of churches, a lot of high schools. Um, we wrestle, and then we share the gospel, and um um, just that's how I actually got into promoting. I was just asked to do it, and it just seemed like a good time, and it's really worked out well. We wrestle. Um, we have a regular house show every month at a, the American Legion here in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, and then we travel, you know, every weekend. Some churches, other venues like the armories, high schools. We do a lot of day shows for uh, reward situations for for kids doing good on their tests or report cards or. Um, we do one big one that's coming up next week. We do a Clash Before Christmas show at one of the local high schools, and this will be, I think, our 24th year that I've promoted that show, and it's a big turnout. And we bring in a lot of the independent guys, a lot of, you know, rock and roll's been on our shows, the Barbarian, One Man Gang. Of course, Ivan, back before he passed, was pretty much a mainstay. Um, we've just had Tim Storm on one of our shows that we just 
um, had. So it's, um, but yeah, long story short, it just happened to fall into my lap when a local pastor in the Philippines asked if I could start doing shows for them. So we travel over there every year, sometimes twice a year. Um, and we just got back and we had six shows in 10 days and, um, our smallest house, you know, um, we usually anywhere between a thousand, we've had up to 15,000 at our shows before. Um, so that's how it happens, my friend. Now, you mentioned that they had to build a ring in the Philippines in order for you to run the shows there. Here in the United States, especially on the eastern half of the country, geographically things are close enough where if a promoter has a problem with a ring or if they need uh, multiple rings to do multiple shows, they can fairly easily source another wrestling ring and have it to the show with not a lot of problem. I imagine in the Philippines where you said they don't really have live pro wrestling, they only have the one ring. How problematic has it been as far as knowing that is the only ring and it has to be maintained to get you through the tour every single time because you can't just call up and rent someone else's ring. No, you're you're exactly right. So our first trip over there, we made sure that we had extra turnbuckles, made sure we had extra plywood. Um, so, yeah, it, there's been a couple of issues that's come up where a rope has broke, uh, during one of the events, and, of course, we switch them around and don't use the bottom rope and use the top in the middle. But, yeah, just having that one ring, we're just always cautious before the show um, that we have. If there was a turnbuckle to break, we've, we've learned to always have an extra rope, extra plywood, um, braces, come-alongs, whatever. So we're we're pretty well set. And like I said, six shows in 10 days is a lot Um and some of the places, one of the shows we wrestled at this year, had we had any issues, I don't know what we'd have done, because we wrestled in a part of the Philippines called Dingalan Aurora, and we actually wrestled for the indigenous tribes over there. So they had not not only not ever seen wrestling, but I think we were probably the first Americans that they had ever seen. There was no no houses, so to speak. They lived in little thatch huts, and they were just coming up out of the jungle just to see us wrestling. And before we knew it, there was probably close to 2,000 up on that mountaintop. And when I say mountaintop, the the ring crew that, that, that works for us over there, we couldn't get the vehicle up there. They had to hand carry everything probably 100 yards up to the top of that mountain to set that ring up. Um, so, yeah, there's in cases like that, I don't know what would it. We just pray. Uh, pray, Lord, don't let anything happen to this ring because – we got a big event here, and we want to be able to get through it. But we've, we've, God's blessed us so far. We've never had any major issues. But like you said, with that one ring, it has to be tore down, loaded up. And sometimes it's a four-, five-, six-hour drive to the next venue. I mean, the Philippines is a big country, and, and we don't stay localized in one area. We travel. Um, the the trip to Dingalan Aurora was like a seven-hour drive. So it's we we just try to have extra of anything we need, turnbuckles, come-alongs, you name it, we have extras um, just in case something like that happens. But like you said, here in the Carolinas, we have two rings. We have one at a training school, and then we have our Wrestling for Christ ring, and we do ring rentals, and if we happen to have a ring rental one night, 
and we have a show that night. I've got a group of guys that'll take that ring to set it up for the ring rental, and we still run our show. So yeah, there's there's a pretty much a ring available in every town here, and you know where I live at. I was in a similar fashion. I imagine the people in the Philippines, even though they know professional wrestling and they have access on television and so forth, they probably have never built a ring before. How difficult was it making sure that what they built was going to be suitable for what you needed? Well, the the neat story about that is the local pastor that asked us if he could build the ring, he was here in 2006. 2006, 2007, he came over here to the States to go and raise support for his church there in the Philippines, and he actually came to one of our events. He brought his tape measure, um, brought his notepad. He got It was funny. Every time we'd stick something on the ring, he measured it. He measured from top to bottom, side to side, underneath, ropes, you name it. He had everything drawn out just like he needed. So when he went back, he built it. So the ring that we have in the Philippines is built to the same specs as my wrestling for Christ ring is here. It's the same, same layout, same build, same, everything sets up the same way. It's just unbelievable. There's, he's just such a smart man. Um, he just, he built it exactly like mine is here. So when we get over there, um, we know exactly what we're getting into. And it's funny how it, the ring just works the same. Um, of course, their, their metal there is not quite as strong as ours is here. Um, but yeah, he built it, he drew it out, wrote it down. Got back to the Philippines, and then in 2008, 2009, he um, said, let's build a ring. Just kind of always tell people, it's like that movie, um, if you build it, they will come. And, and that's what this pastor did. And him and his guys built the ring, and they maintain it for us during the off season when we're not there. They they store everything up in a building there, and, um, you know, it's it's all very well taken care of. in the Philippines obviously you have to take a crew with you to have the shows how much of a chore is it in order to do these international events as far as the actual travel involved and getting everyone to have everything they need to be able to travel internationally making sure you are able to get from point A to point B to point C and then back to A. What's all the logistics like as far as that goes? Well, yeah, that's uh it's a it's a pretty expensive trip and I don't know if you know anything about the Philippines, but it's you know, being the country that it is, there's no money. So, you know, when we go over there to wrestle, it's all free. We don't charge anything for any of those shows. Um the average family of four over in the Philippines makes a hundred dollars US. That pretty much tells you how poor the country is. But as far as we go, we put every show, our monthly shows are, you know, by, you know, two, three times a month, um, the Wrestling for Christ Ministry, a lot of our proceeds go back into a, a WFC account. And then by year end, we're able to purchase. We took seven guys this year, and the tickets were close to $2,000 round trip. But we had enough in the account where we pay for every, we buy everybody's airline tickets. Everybody has to have their passport. Of course, pre-COVID, you know, or COVID, everybody had to have their COVID shots. And um, so it's pretty costly. You know, it's 
about 24 hours in the air. We leave out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and fly to L.A., which is about five, five and a half hours. And then we fly from L.A. to either Narita, Japan, or straight to the Philippines, which is another 16 hours in the air. Um, and then when we get there, our pastor already has our transportation, our hotels. Some of the times we stay at the churches, but they have our hotels already booked where we're staying at. They have our transportation set up, so we know we've got our schedule. They send us our itinerary, usually several weeks before, to let us know what towns we're in, so we can actually look it up on Google Maps or, you know, YouTube the town or whatever, so to speak. But, um, yeah, there's actually a lot that goes into it. Um, I've had several guys that say they were going to go, and then, you know, we're, I was there 24 days. My team, I say my team, it's the WFC team, but um, we're there 10 days. We usually go. They were there the third, well, actually 14 days. The third, we got, we landed the third, had our first show on the 4th of November, and then we're there till the 17th, and then they fly back, and then I stayed till the 24th and just went and visited a lot of other local areas and visited a lot a lot of churches and um, shared our ministry. A lot of the churches over there let me share the ministry, what Wrestling for Christ does. I tell people all the time, we, we, we bring the fans to the table and we let the local pastors feed them, and that's how I look at it. And, you know, wrestling is just so big, not just here in the United States. It's huge in the Philippines. It's funny how they know all, a lot of the kids over there have never seen it. A lot of the families over there don't even have TVs. But they know of it. They know they speak good English. So they, the, what they do see, they know the John Cena's. They know the Hulk Hogan's, the Rocks. Um, you know, they know all the talent from from years ago. They'll tell you stories about the mighty Igor and Mr. Wrestling Number Two and Dick Slater, a lot of the older Filipinos. Because um, you know you got Clark Air Force Base there, so there's a lot of Americans. And um, but yeah, the, getting there and getting back, it's a it's a pretty tough trip. Um, November is a good time to go, but it's still 100 degrees every day with about 75% humidity. Um, we've been over there in July before, and it's 135 degrees, so it's not a vacation, so to speak. But the, the guys that I take, I take a good crew. Um, we add to it, it seems like, every year. We took a referee this year. We actually took a, a, a lady with us this year. Um, she um, was our photographer. Her, her husband was the referee, and She's a beautician, so not only did we wrestle, but she gave out free haircuts. And, um, man, it was just such a blessing just to, um, to be able to do it. And like I said, we've been doing it for quite a few years. And um, the anybody listening can go to our Wrestling for Christ Facebook page, and it shows you who we are and what we do. And it shows you a lot of the videos and a lot of the pictures from the, from the events that we held over there. And like I said, we've done is, you know, from 1,000 to 15,000 people over there. So it's um, – a good trip but it does cost um it's not free um we do raise our own support a lot of our churches support us over here um, but we usually by the time we go we've got all our money raised for airline tickets hotels and pretty much our meals are covered so it's it's a good trip um hard trip but we look forward to it every year obviously when people travel internationally there's a lot of uh, bureaucratic red tape that can happen. There are uh, people that end up not being able to travel because of passport issues or because of whatever legality system is involved in traveling. Do you run into many instances of having red tape stop people from going at the last minute and then you have to scramble for finding a substitute? 
We've never, believe it or not, since 2008, um, since I've been traveling over there, we've not had one. In, we've had luggage get lost. Now, that's been a problem where uh, when I say gets lost, it shows up two or three days later. Um, but um, never had an incident where they've stopped us or harassed us or, um, you know, we've we've left on time, got there on time and done the shows on time. But I, And I know stuff like that's going to happen. Um, where somebody's passport's not going to be right or they're going to be questioned about certain things. But um, we plan this like we know our next trip's going to be next July. So we're already, first of the year, we're going to start planning this with the local pastors and um, the local schools that we'll get into, the local towns. Now, it's some of the towns over there don't care to have the, the wrestling um certain areas, uh, but not because they're they're not appreciative of what we do, but a lot of the – they don't even call them mayors. They call them captains or chiefs of the little barangays, the little villages. Um, just don't know what wrestling is. They've never seen it, don't know what to expect. They know it's going to draw big crowds because um, it is free. So that we've run into that issue before. But um, as far as getting over there, getting it done and getting back, no issues whatsoever, knock on wood, praying that that never happens. But I'm, I'm sure it could come up. When it comes to building the roster – what is the criteria for someone that would be interested in going overseas for you and working for you? And is it a similar criteria for what you would be looking for domestically for the shows you do within the United States? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. I'm just looking for people that are willing to go. You know, I want to take – of course, take the talent. The guys that go with me on a normal basis have been in the business for quite a few years. Um, but I'm, I'm just looking for, for able bodies to go and be able to go and stay gone two weeks. Because um, that's the tours usually, like I said, we landed on November the 3rd. First show was on the 4th. Last show was on the 16th. And we wrestled, you know, pretty much in between the six shows in 10 days or 12 days. Um but I've had guys over the years that said, you know, man, I want to go next year. And, you know, as it gets close, and I said, guys, we're fixing to pull the trigger on tickets. I need to make sure you're going. So I need your passport. Well, I haven't even got a passport. I'm not going to be able to go. So, and, and I understand that. That's a, that's a, you know, a lot of the guys in the independent scene work regular jobs um, and can't be gone that long. Um, but I'm actually, they're a good talent, and I know they're a good talent, and they're trustworthy, and I know they're going to give me 100%. Um, I'm looking for people every year. I, I take the same guys. I've had the same crew going, and then we've added one here and there over the years. Um, but I just look for able-bodied guys that will go over and be professional, put on a great show, um, don't mind the, the heat, the, the temperature. Um, a lot of places we go, there's no air conditioning. We still visit some of the areas over there where there's no running water or electricity, believe it or not. Those places still exist. So you're getting, like when we were in Dingalon Aurora, you're on top of that mountain. There's no running water. There's no electricity. There's a little block building that we got dressed in. And, I mean, it's 100 degrees, and you're sweating, pouring down sweat. But So you got to want to do it. You've got to not just love wrestling, but you gotta you got to love being able to go over there. And, I mean, it's a missions trip. That's what I tell people. It's not it's not a vacation. We're not. It's fun. The guys that go, we have a blast. A lot of good fellowship together, meet a lot of new people, make a lot of new friends, travel and see see a lot of beautiful places. Um, but it's it's work. 
It's not. It's not. Like, it's not like you show up at the armories or the high schools here and you walk into an air-conditioned locker room and you get dressed and you wrestle and you leave. Um, you know, we get there several hours ahead of time to meet and greet. We wrestle, then we stay a few hours after to meet and greet and talk to all the fans, and um, then we travel. Um, you know, and like I said, it's hot. You get to your hotel room and get up the next morning, and it's hot again, and you just travel and. Um, so it's it's a job. I tell people, I said, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's work. But I'm just looking for able bodies, guys that want to do it. I'd love to take them with me. Um, it's not only a blessing for them, but it's a blessing for me to see new guys come and enjoy it. And the guys that I've taken um, have always wanted to go back. So if there's just guys that know what they're doing, guys that are professional, guys that I can trust. It's not going to ruin. I don't want to say ruin, but that's going to hurt the WFC ministry. They're the WFC brand. I want to, I don't want to be able to go somewhere and then say, we don't want y'all back because this is the way this person acted or this is what he said or this is what he done. It's, it's all family friendly. And I know a lot of wrestling federations aren't like that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that, wrestling's wrestling as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you know what you're doing, you put on a good show. And that's what we do. They, they're seeing the same thing there as they see on TV. You know, we might not be John Cena or The Rock, or but they see good wrestling. My guys have wrestled for years. I've wrestled for years. Um, and definitely, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody by no means, but we, we put on a good show. Um, that's why we continuously get invited back, and it's continuing to grow every year. The venues are getting bigger. Rizal High School was actually in the Guinness Book of World's Record, and it's actually the, it's a 16-acre campus, and there's 21,000 students. And we've we've been invited to come there next year and wrestle for that school. So we're really looking forward to that. But just looking for able bodies, guys that want to go and guys that want to do it. Um, and there's no glory in it. I'm, we raise our own support. Um, there's no money involved. I tell people that all the time. It's not like we're going over and selling tickets for 5,000 people to come watch the show. It's a missions work. It's a ministry. We go over there to share the gospel and meet and greet and um, just do something for those Filipino people that they've never, you know, stuff like that doesn't happen over there. Um, but anyways, that's that's where we're at with that. And um, brother, you're welcome to go. You tell me you want to go, and you're a radio guy. You can go over and be my announcer. I'm looking for announcers, looking for referees, um, just any able body that wants to go and be a part of. It. You don't necessarily have to be a wrestler. You can be a referee. You can be a ring announcer. You can be a photographer. Uh, you can just go and meet and greet and help set up, help tear down, um, just be able-bodied. I've done all of that, so we might have to talk on that sometime in the next yes, little sir. bit. Now, as far as the actual in-ring portion, especially the Filipino market, do they – understand and react better to the more gimmick-heavy wrestlers, wrestlers that have more of an outlandish gimmick, or do they respond more to the wrestlers that have pretty much a straight-up athletic presentation without any sort of gimmick involved? What's the better reaction, do you think, as far as the presentation entering? Well, it's funny that, you know, I... I get asked that question all the time. These families, these these the Filipino 
people, the fans, the kids. We wrestle. There's all ages when we do it. Um, it's really kind of hard to have a baby face and a heel over there. They just, I mean, as soon as you walk out, you can be the bad guy. You can be the big heel. They're cheering. As soon as the baby face comes out, they're cheering. They cheer every single move. I mean, they um, they just love the action of professional wrestling. And I don't, I, I really don't care um, how big you are, how small you are, because it is it's it's so entertaining to them to have something like that. Um, it's it's really hard to explain. You can get on the our website or our Facebook page. Um, we do our best to bring out the guys and then play the heel gimmick, and it works sometimes. And then, of course, me being the American G, I always try to be the baby face, but they, they just cheer. They just love. Um, they love the wrestling. They love the cheer. They'll get into booing, and believe it or not, if I can get a good USA chant going, they'll chant USA. And I tell the guys that are supposedly the heels, I said, you know, just do something where they know you're, you know, we always try to, to, the, to make sure they know that that person's cheating and cheating and cheating, and then the big one, two, three at the end for the for the big baby face. But it, it does work. But um, overall, man, they just love wrestling. They love to see that action. They cheer, cheer, cheer. It, they'll cheer the referee. They just love the wrestling part of it. So, yeah, no, I don't care how big you are, how small you are. Um, they just love wrestling. They just love that entertainment. It's um, something that they've never been um, been able to be a part of, and um, it's definitely something they'll never forget. And hopefully we'll get back to that same area again, and those people will come back and invite others. Um, like I said, 2019, we went to a local high school there, Aquino High School in Tarlock City, Philippines, and there's 10,000 students in the school. So when we pulled up in the parking lot, one of my guys in the back said he felt like he was a rock star because they were the kids were actually climbing on the car trying to get to us just to see the wrestlers. We had to get security to get us out of the cars to get us to the locker room. But I said all that to say this. There was 10,000 kids in that school. But when we got into the ring, you could look over the wall where the school was at, and there were people in the trees, and there were people on the rooftops, on the businesses across the streets from the school watching the show. So, you know, 10,000 students in the school, but there was another three or 4,000 students around the entire campus on the rooftops, up in the trees. Some were standing on top of their cars just so they could see the wrestling, and they enjoyed it just as much as the actual school that we were doing the event for. So, yes, yeah, just they love it all. Bad guys, good guys, they just cheer for everything. One of the parts of pro wrestling that has become controversial in the last few years is the use of blood in wrestling. A lot of people, since we have learned more medically about the risk with bloodborne pathogens, have taken a stance that there should not be intentional blooded matches. Some people see it as safe if you take the proper precautions, have the proper test done. Others see nothing wrong with having blood in pretty much every single match, every single show. Where do you stand when it comes to blood and wrestling, both as a performer and as a promoter? Well, as as far as wrestling for Christ Ministries go, our shows we don't we don't do any blood. Um, but now I don't just you know I, I promote uh, I'm 
I tell people I'm the founder, managing member, so to speak, of Wrestling for Christ Ministries. But I work for the, you know, there's several federations here in town that have been running for years. And I'll go work for them. And, of course, it's a whole different atmosphere. They don't mind the blood. I don't have a problem with the blood. But, you know, here in the Carolinas, in South Carolina, there's no blood allowed at all. You know, we have a South Carolina Athletic Commission, and if there's blood, you have to stop that match. I mean, I've seen guys that, you know, nose will start bleeding accidentally, and they have to roll out of the ring and go get that stopped. Um, But we do have it here in the Carolinas, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I, myself, don't do it. Um, Never have. Um, Never been one to want to do that. Um, But like I said, WFC doesn't do it, but me as a person as a wrestler myself i i don't have a problem going on working on a show where there's where that's involved it doesn't bother me one bit Um, but we don't do it wfc we don't do it because it is a so to speak a ministry and it's not anything that we want we have all ages and i don't want to be the one that gets out there and um, we get feedback from one of the shows that we've done especially if we're at a church or at an event with a school and one of the teachers or one of the elders from the church comes up and says man that was a great great crusade or great event y'all held but man we didn't we really didn't like that blood that's just something we don't want to be so that's just something i don't want to take a chance with so we just don't do it when you're doing shows especially when you go internationally how regulated are the rules for what you have to follow i know in the united states Every single state is different as far as if they have a commission or they don't have a commission, how strict or how lax it is. But I imagine going internationally, traveling as much as you do within a country, you're going to see the same type of thing as far as regulations and rules. Yeah, and and there is, but we've never really been hampered by any of that because in in, – in the Philippines, every little town has its own little, like Metro Manila. Manila has, I think, 12 million people, but they're, it's called Metro Manila. There's, there's different little villages in each, in each part of the, the Manila area. And we end up having, or those local pastors or myself, we end up having to meet with the mayors or the governors of the little cities or the tens of the, the barangays and explain to them what we're doing. And that has been brought up as far as, um, they'll ask us now, is anything going to be done outside the ring? Do we have to worry about any of our people getting injured or anybody getting scared? Or um, So that's another thing. When we go and we wrestle over there, there's nothing that happens outside the ring, um, and that's just what they ask us to do. Um, but we do. There are guidelines, um, but we've never been stopped by any of it. Like I said, we have to meet. We've been to a little town. We thought we were going to get to wrestle at, and the mayor would say, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't want to have a, a mass number of people out here, and, you know, especially being wrestling, them not knowing what's going on. And you know how kids are. They'll start jumping up, down, and kicking. Next thing you know, they're kicking and punching each other, trying to trying to do the moves outside the ring that they're seeing us do in the ring. So it is kind of regulated as far as that goes. Um, we don't do any chair shots, so to speak. We don't bring out tables. Um, it's just wrestling. It's just old school, basic wrestling, um, heel versus baby, um, so to speak. Um, but all clean as far as you know, we don't we don't roll out of the ring and throw them through chairs or through tables or bring. We don't do weapons matches, and it's just because um, that's just something over there that I don't I don't think they would be 
okay with. I, I don't want to – right now everything's worked out good. We've never had an issue at any of the shows, but I'm sure if we had blood or if we threw somebody through a table or brought a chair in, then we'd have some issues. But we do meet with the local representatives of every town. We meet with the principals of the schools. We meet with the captains. We've actually had to meet with the police department before, wanting to know if we needed security. And the neat thing about it is our local pastors, they have their they have their own guys that kind of maintain, and they do have barricades that they put up. So um, we've never been hampered by any issues with rules or regulations, um, but we just do old school wrestling. Uh, we don't do anything outside of the ring. We just don't want to take that chance. I'm sure my guys would do it, and they can do it. I see them do it at shows here um, in North Carolina, South Carolina, but we just don't do it over there. Plus, we're, you know, 15,000 miles away, and if one of my guys was to get hurt or get injured, we've got that. We I worry about that all the time, too. I worry about, you know, spraining something, straining something, getting your head busted open or – you know, heavens forbid, breaking a bone while we're over there because uh, it's not one of the greatest places to be hospitalized, if you know what I'm talking about. It's just not not very safe. It's such a such a poor country. And they do have hospitals, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't want to be stuck over there with an injury. So we, we kind of play it safe, um, but now we wrestle. We uh, My guys know what they're doing, and we, we take as many bumps over there as we do over here, but we just don't do anything crazy, no moonsaults. No um, Frankensteiners, no diving through the ropes out onto the floor. We keep it in ring, and we keep it safe, I guess is how I need to put that. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that one. (laughs) I've often noticed when independent wrestling runs a given town, Oftentimes, the fans will prefer the type of wrestling that was around in the territorial days. So, for example, in the Midwest where the AWA was really big, fans tend to gravitate more towards the -the on-the-mat type of wrestling and those things. In the South, they like a lot more brawling and hardcore action because that's what Memphis used to do. If you go up to Portland, they like sort of a mixture of it. When you go to the Philippines, since there wasn't really a wrestling territory there per se, do you get a sense that they are still learning what they like with professional wrestling, or do they have a certain type of wrestling that, they tend to gravitate towards and prefer? That's a good question. I've never thought about that. Um, There have been shows where we've actually got started in a match and you could hear a pin drop. Um, And I think it's because they've never seen it, a lot of the places we go. But, you know, once you get going and you get a big suplex in or a body slam or even something as simple as a leg drop and, you know, if I'm dropping a leg on the guy I'm wrestling, it just, you know, um, we want to make it look as real as possible. Um, but, yeah, I think they're learning. We have went back. to we've, we've, We wrestle in Tarlock City um, every year. We go there. That's where the local pastor's at, and that's his hometown. And those crowds have went from 1,000 to, to 
to 4,000 to 8,000. Um, so the numbers are growing. So I know they're, they're starting to enjoy it a little bit more. But this is our first year that we wrestled in Paranyage, was one of the areas we wrestled um, outside Quezon City. And um, that was one of the nights packed house. I say packed house. It's an outdoor venue. But there was probably a couple thousand, maybe a little bit more, anywhere between two and 3,000. Um, first few minutes of the first match, they, just, they really didn't know what to do. And then they picked, they had a sense of, I think that group did have a sense of who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Because um, you could hear a few more boos from the crowd, and but I think once they pick up on that, as it grows, and it's it's growing, it's growing every year. As it grows, they're going to realize, hey, this guy that was here last year, he was the one that cheated. So maybe when he comes out the next show, they'll start out booing him and then cheering for the good guy. But yeah, it's a learning process for them. I'm I'm glad you asked me that. I've never thought about that, but yeah, there have been a few times where. Um, I'm in the locker room. Um, I know the match has started because I've heard the bell, but you don't hear anything, and you're thinking, man, there's 4,000 people out there, and nobody's doing anything. And then a few minutes into the match, somebody will start cheering, or even the the local pastor. He's been real good. Uh, he travels with us to all of our shows. He's got to where he gets the crowd into it, especially if one of the bad guys brings out a foreign object. He'll say, oh, you know, he'll he'll get on the loudspeaker and say, oh, he's got something in his hand, ref, he's cheating. And then that'll get the crowd going once they realize, oh, here, yeah, he's not supposed to do that. I, I might not know what's going on, but he's not supposed to be using that weapon or, you know, he's not supposed to be choking him in the corner. That's not good or, you know, but, yeah, that was a good question. I've never thought about that, but I think it is a learning process for them because they've never been around it. But I know it's growing because in some of the same towns, the numbers have tripled. Some of the numbers have even tripled in size. Um, so they're learning it. They're learning it. We're learning them. Um, but they're just seeing, like you was talking about here in the Carolinas and Georgia, it's a mixture of both. It's hardcore wrestling and just old school mat wrestling. Um, we definitely don't do anything off the top ropes. So I think they would enjoy that. But like I said, anything off the top ropes is kind of scary when you're, you know, 15,000 miles away from home and you just don't want to get injured. Plus, we've got all these dates set, and I only have a limited amount of wrestlers, you know, and I don't bring a big crew. I can't can't call, you know, and say, hey, is so-and-so available tonight? So, yeah, we, we have to be real cautious with what we do. But it is it is a learning process. They are starting to pick up on it. Um, so, yeah, that was a good question. I appreciate that. I've never thought about it. But, uh, yeah, I think once they learn it, it's it's they're going to get into it more and more. One of the other important parts of professional wrestling, obviously, is the training of the next generation of wrestlers you mentioned having a training school. How important is the training school as far as what you're doing running shows both here in the United States as well as internationally? Oh, that, yeah, that's very important. I, I, most people that, that are even listening to this show know who George South is. And George South's got one of the greatest, I, I, and I tell people this all the time, they'll ask me, um, you know, where's a good training center? I send everybody to George South. I'm actually a George South guy. You know, I trained under Manny um, and then wrestled with South Atlantic there for a year. But then when I went to the PWF with Italian Stallion and George South, um, it was it was always a learning. I'm still learning today, brother. I mean, I've been doing this since 1990. And, um, you know, for the seven years, five to seven years that I was with the PWF, we never had a weekend off. Um, we worked every weekend. And those guys that were working with PWF, 
were working five and six nights a week because they was on WCW one night, they was on WWF, and then we ran usually three days a week, three shows a week with the PWF all over, um, not just North Carolina, South Carolina, but Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Virginia, West Virginia. Um, so, yeah, training is very important. Um, like I said, I tell most guys that if somebody comes to me and they said, I've been doing this for this long and, you know, you can add, I trained under George South, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that when I know he's, um, if they're a George South guy or gal, if they're a George South trainee, um, they're going to know what they're supposed to be doing. So you, the training part of it is real important. And we're definitely going to have to get some younger guys. I'm 55 years old and um, going to get my left shoulder repaired in February. And then June, I'm going to have my right shoulder repaired. And um, so it's definitely not getting any easier for me. And I know there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to step away and just do all promoting and no wrestling and have that younger person step in and fill that role for me. And, and like I said, as far as the Philippines go, it's a yearly thing, and it's growing. The number of the shows are growing. We're looking at doing possibly 10 shows um, next year versus the six. We we started out doing two shows, then it went to three shows, and then five shows, and then now this year we had six shows, and we're looking to grow it even more next year, um, possibly trying to put on 10 shows. So definitely need that younger generation to be trained up and be professional um, and just be ready to go. Um, and like I said, I'm all, if they're able-bodied and they're trained, uh, I'll take them with me. As far as what you do, do you do a lot of the actual training of the wrestlers, or do you pretty much just refer people to a George South or Italian Stallion and let them do the actual training, or do you actually bring guys into the ring and help them in the ring as well? Well, that's an, that's another good question. Ninety nine percent of the time, I will refer the guys to George South because that's what George does for a living. I mean, George still, I tell people all the time, he's the busiest man in professional wrestling. He still works in ring, but he trains two and three nights a week. Um, far as our shows go, if we've got a show, say this Saturday, show starts at seven o'clock. We usually have that ring set up by three. And then we don't necessarily go over the matches per se, but guys get in the ring and train. We they they show up early, they get in the ring, and we we train pre-show training, I guess you can say, um, working on stuff. Not necessarily working on matches, but working on uh, certain aspects of wrestling. But yeah, I, I send most of my guys. Uh, Italian Stallion retired several years ago, but I send most of my guys to George South. And I know there's other trainers out there in other cities around North Carolina, South Carolina. Ricky Morton um, has a great school. Um, you know, Ricky's a good friend of mine. We've worked a lot of shows together, and uh, Ricky's worked on a lot of our shows. So I know he's got a great training school, but he's, you know, several hours away versus guys that come to me. I'm here in Shelby, North Carolina. George's training school is just 45 minutes up the road versus a boogie, you know, Jimmy Valiant school five hours up the road and uh, Ricky Morton school, you know, four or five hours up the road. But a lot of good schools here. Um, if somebody says, I want to get trained to be a professional wrestler, there's no reason they can't get that done because um, there's a lot of schools. But I, I send all of our guys that come to me, per se, to George South because he is local. And I've known George, like I said, since 1991. We've um, done a lot of work together. I would still work together. George is one of my speakers at all of my 
at my shows. He's usually on every show that I, on my monthly show at the Legion in Kings Mountain. That I give George those dates well ahead of time, and he's usually there. And it gives him an opportunity to bring his trainees, the guys that have been training, um, in on those shows so they can get some, some mat time in, so to speak. When you are looking for people to help out on shows, not necessarily in the ring, but when you're looking for people to run the sound system or you're looking for security or you're looking for the timekeeper, the ring announcers, do you have a process on finding those people or do you let those people come to you and ask for work? What's your process on filling the non-wrestling aspect of it? Uh, that's, that's another good question because you know as well as I do, being involved in wrestling as many years as you have, uh, a referee um, can make or break your show. Music can make or break your show. Um, security, all the, it's all a needed. All that is needed. And I usually get approached through my Wrestling for Christ page or my Richie G.I. Scruggs Facebook page where I promote our shows. Um, and like I said, not just the monthly show that we have at the Legion. We do a lot of other shows too. Um, and I'll usually have people approach me through private message and say, hey, you know, I'm not a wrestler, but, you know, I'm, I'm a DJ or I'm a referee. I, I referee this and that. And, you know, they don't even actually have to send me tapes. I know a lot of guys like, well, send me some stuff on you. Um, I'll tell them, say, hey, we're we're in Gastonia, North Carolina, this coming weekend. Ring will be set up by 3 o'clock. I'd love to see you, love to meet you, talk to you. If it works out, great. If not, at least I got to meet you. And, um, but, yeah, they usually hit me up on private message. Uh, my sound guy, um, that, that's how we ended up hooking up. Um, I knew he was a DJ. I'd heard of him before. And he just hit me up on private messenger one day and said, man, you're running monthly shows in Kings Mountain at the Legion. I'm five minutes away. I've got a killer sound system. I'm a DJ. I call the football games for the local Kings Mountain High School. And I said, hey, brother, yeah, come. I'd love to love for you to at least, you know, see what you can do. And um, his first night there, I mean, we hit it off. Uh, just a great, great ring announcer has his own equipment. Um, so now he's actually the voice of the Wrestling for Christ ministry. Same thing with my referee. Um, I knew he had worked a lot of local stuff, and he had hit me up, and he said, I've been refereeing for so many years. Here's my, you know, you can talk to this person or that person. And I'm always like, well, just come on down. I'll put you in a match. Let me see what you got. Let me see what you can do. And that's pretty much uh, – they usually contact me. I've never really had to go out and look for somebody. Um, but when they see us promoting shows, like I said, there's shows in the Carolinas, Georgia, um, Tennessee, on every you you can find a wrestling show to go to every Friday, Saturday, here in the Carolinas. I mean, there's somewhere running, um, some of them just within a few miles of each other. So if you're a talent or you've got something to offer, there's always I'm always looking. Um, I don't have to necessarily have to have just one referee. I mean, I can have five or six. I'll use extra referees. I'll use extra ring hands. Um, I, it's always nice to have a backup on your um, sound guy, your music guy. Um, so, yeah, they, they'll see where we're sharing it and, um, you know, advertising our show. And then they'll usually hit me up on private message and say, hey, can you give me an – I'll give anybody an opportunity, brother. I mean, I'm just – I'm all about – I'm like I said, I'm I'm not the best promoter in the world by no means, not the best wrestler in the world. 
I was given that chance when Manny gave me the chance and um, South Atlantic, you know, and then, of course, George and Stal. And so I'm all about giving somebody, especially the younger guys, um, give them a break. And, you, I mean, you never know. Um, they could be the next big breakout star. But I'm all, I'm always about looking and um, giving somebody an opportunity. But, yeah, they approach me most times, and um, I just I give them a shot. One of the ways that a lot of wrestlers actually make money in the wrestling business is not from the wrestling, but it's from the merchandising. They'll sell T-shirts, pictures, hats, what have you. I know you don't charge for the tickets for Wrestling for Christ shows, but do the wrestlers involved still sell merchandise at these shows and especially at the international level, are people looking to buy souvenirs and merchandise to take home, or is it a little bit of a foreign concept to them still? Yeah, as far as international, um, like I said, there's, you know, my, we give away. We give away the pictures. Um, there's no money there as far as. But when I say there's no money there, when my group goes to the Philippines, it doesn't cost them anything to go either. We cover we cover the airline, we cover the hotels, we cover the meals. You know, they can bring their own spending money for souvenirs or stuff. But I always tell them, guys, listen, go to the the cheapest print shop you can find and get your pictures printed off because those kids and those families in the Philippines don't have. Uh, they, I mean, really, they don't have anything. Um, some of them barely have shoes that we've noticed, but. Um, as far as here in the Carolinas and everywhere else, yeah, we, we definitely, we sell our tickets, um, our shows each month at the, um, at the American Legion ticket prices are usually $10. Um, and, um, my guys, yeah, I'd love for them to set up your gimmick table, sell your pictures, sell your, and, and, and the guys that are going with me, if they know they're going with me to the Philippines, then that's pretty much their pay. Um, this year alone, it was it was almost fourteen thousand dollars just for airline tickets. So for those guys to say, um, you know, yeah, my pay is going to the Philippines every year, and it's not costing me anything, and it doesn't it doesn't cost them a thing. I mean, we get you know three meals a day, and airline, and hotel, and all that's covered through Wrestling for Christ Ministries. We we raise our own support, but if the average, and I don't want to say Joe Blow because I mean I I don't I shouldn't have even said that just now. Um, John Smith, let's just say John Smith, he's a great talent, comes to one of my shows, but he's not one of the Wrestling for Christ team members, per se. He knows he's not going to the Philippines. Um, he comes to one of our shows. We pay him. Um, those guys get paid. I mean, we pay them. They set up their gimmick tables. Of course, we don't get anything from that. I want them promoting themselves. We don't. Our Wrestling for Christ show is not just my Wrestling for Christ team, my, my Wrestling for Christ wrestlers. Uh, like I said, George South, he never goes to the Philippines. But he's on all of our shows. Um, Tony Johnson, Carolina Dreamer, um, he's on all of our WFC shows. He doesn't go. Um, but these guys that are part of the, the the team, we know where our money's going. Our money's going towards our trip. Because, um, like I said, just airline alone was 14000 um, And then you got the hotels for two weeks. You got meals for two weeks. And all that's covered. Uh, Lord's really opened the door there for – we have some good crowds, but we in town in the Carolinas here in the states we do sell tickets. We we charge for our tickets for our, our fans to come in, and um, most of our guys, even the WFC guys, they have their gimmick tables and do pretty well. 
promoting themselves. So, yeah, um, I'm all for that. Um, getting your getting your name out there, selling your merchandise, your T-shirts, your pictures, um, you know, whatever you can do to to get that extra money. Because you know as well as I do, there's not a whole lot of money to be made in independence. Um, but we do pay our guys, and it's not. I hate saying this. It's not a. It's not a hot dog and a soda. Um, we know when we invite guys in, we invite them because we know they're going to add to our show. But we also know that we're going to pay them. We're not expecting anybody that's not with the WSC to come wrestle for free. Um, we're good to our guys. That's why they keep coming back. Um, and we run some great shows, not just in Kings Mountain. We run quite a few shows in South Carolina and. Uh, it's just it's a good thing. Carolina wrestling in the Carolinas is strong. There's a lot of federations here, um, but it's it's pretty strong. They're, they're drawing some good numbers. Independents they're really they're really supporting. And a lot of times it's because you know you can't afford to go to the bigger shows. Um, you can't afford to buy the t-shirts of the bigger guys. But um, yeah, I mean I'm all about promoting yourself, selling your gimmicks. But like I said, when we go to the Philippines, it's a paid trip. Um, everything's covered, but the, if you're going to have pictures or T-shirts, it's usually stuff that we give away. And when I say give away, it's because the fan that comes to the shows in the Philippines barely has a shirt on himself. He can't even afford to, to buy his own self a shirt. So just for us to give, for me to give away an American GI T-shirt to a little kid, and we do, we give them away. Um, it's like Christmas. It's like the greatest thing to ever happen to that kid. Um, like I said, some of them come in and don't have shoes on. Man, if I could, if my gimmick was giving away shoes, and we do that. We, I've got local churches that will send me shoes and say, what do you need? Um, funny story, it's not all about wrestling. I tell people all the time it's bigger than wrestling. I've got a lady at my my church that makes pillowcase dresses. And what she does is she buys several size pillowcases throughout the year, and she cuts the neck out and cuts the arms out, and then she dresses them up a little bit, and we call them pillowcase dresses. And I take them over there and give out to all the all the little girls in the church and stuff that usually don't have a whole lot to wear. Um, and you think they got a Gucci outfit, so to speak, as far as that goes. So, um, yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. And I can talk about the Philippines and the people over there and my ministry all night long. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of today's show, and I want to make sure – that you do have ample time if there's anything you would like to say to the listeners, if you want to plug anything and everything from upcoming shows to social medias to merchandising to your up anything at all, the floor is all yours. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And we do most of our plugging and most of our advertising through our Wrestling for Christ. It's our Wrestling for Christ Facebook page, and it's just it's got all of our shows coming up. Um, it's got all my talent, and my guys are, and my guys do have merchandise. And if you see somebody you like, I'm sure they'll they'll make sure you get a T-shirt or a picture. Um, but yeah, please go to Wrestling for Christ Facebook page, Wrestling for Christ, and um, go to Richie GI Scruggs. Like I said, my character's always been the American GI. My father was a military for 26 years, and I did that to honor him. And um, I started out with that uh, gimmick in 1990 and still run that. I still have the flat top, wear the Army fatigues in the ring. and um, But, yeah, we um, everything we do, all of our upcoming shows, the dates that we have, and then the dates that we're going to 
shows that we're going to be on outside of the WFC, you can find all of that on the Richie G.I. Scruggs or the Wrestling for Christ page. And I'd appreciate you guys going there and like it and check it out. And if you're ever in need, you want to bring a crusade to your town, um, brother, We've the ring will travel. Like I said, if you build it, they'll come. If you want us, we'll come. We'll bring the crew. I'll bring the guys. We can set the ring up. We can put on a great show. Um, and and we that's what we do. That's who we are, and that's what we do. And if you'll go on those two pages there, you'll see you'll see that's what we do. Well, Richie, I want to thank you so very much for taking time to be with us. We appreciate your time greatly, and I definitely want to wish you the very best of luck as you continue on with Wrestling for Christ, and maybe we will get together and head over there sometime together. Hey, bro. Yeah, check. just keep an eye on that page, and when you see, as soon as we get our dates for the next trip, and we, we get them as soon as we can, we, we have them planned out months and months ahead of time and if you say hey man i'm gonna be available during those days hey let's talk man we'll get we'll raise some support for you and get you over with us and um you either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it but i've never taken anybody over with me that did not want to go back it is just such a blessing you know we're spoiled here in america even wrestlers so we're spoiled wrestlers here to get over there and do what we can do and entertain them and really know that they love what they're seeing um, it, it makes a big difference. But, yeah, I'd love to have you join us one time. All right. We'll definitely talk on that. Fans, if you see that they're going to be near you in the Carolinas, get out there and check out what they do. And if you're going to the Philippines or you're from the Philippines, definitely check out a show, especially being free. You can't be that. Well, we will be back with you Upcoming on Sunday, it is Ring Announcer Day on Trimbuckle Turmoil. We will have ring announcers from across the country joining us to talk about that aspect of the industry. And then one week from this very day, we will be back with you. We have the Golden Idol, Mark Koval, a great manager on the independent scene, joining us. So everybody... Stay safe out there. Get out there. Support your local independents. I forgot to mention at the top, but you can also check out SOS Wrestling if you are in the Tacoma, Washington area. They are running tonight. But get out there. Support some wrestling. You can find me at Northwest Pro tomorrow. And we will talk to you soon.